You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of SplatterPictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air Nipe here with Always. Typical Lydia. Today's show, we're going to be doing the 2020 independent film darling spree smash that like button smash that like button welcome to wes's world starring lydia and wes uh this is a lydia pick oh it's definitely a lydia pick oh my gosh i was worried that it wouldn't be horror enough i mean this show fucking terrifies me the reality attached to this show fucking terrifies me the world we live in right now terrifies me especially when it's broadcast live but yeah, I'm glad that you agreed to do this. And I think it's kind of timely. Like I'm usually, we're always kind of just lucky with this timing. I didn't know until last night when Chris pointed it out that the star of this film, Joe Curie, is in the upcoming Stranger Things. Because I had figured out he was in Stranger Things, but it's the fourth season or whatever of Stranger Things is kicking off right now. So that's why Spree is hitting like number one or two in horror rentals on Apple TV right now. So it's a good time, I think, to talk about Spree. And it's also a tragic time to talk about Spree because there was not too long ago, I guess two weeks ago, a live streamed shooting in the USA. So you wanna talk about real horror, there's many levels of horror going on here, but I also worried that it wasn't a splatter picture with scare quotes around it. So I'm glad that you enjoyed it. Like you enjoyed watching a Lydia pick once again. Yeah, I did enjoy it. I found it a bit overstimulating at times, but as you said, it does star uh, Netflix darling, Joe Keery, who is a very popular character on uh, Stranger Things. And so I could see how he would have made this film in between uh, filming Stranger Things. And uh, it's nice to see an actor who is very beloved for something that has a lot of bigness and uh, awareness behind it and who does something very small like this. And I have a sneaking suspicion that this is a film that is going to get discovered again and again and again from people who are just really big Stranger Things fans who really like Joe Keery, who think the character of Steve is really cool. And, and uh, you know, I'm a big Stranger Things fan, and I really like his character on that show. And so one of the things that uh, people would know if you were a, a Stranger Things fan is that his character was not supposed to be throughout the entire series. But what ended up happening was is the... Duffer Brothers rewrote the ending of the last season to keep that character around. I can't quite remember if he was supposed to be killed off or if he was uh, supposed to just sort of fade. Well, this is a very likable, cringy little sociopath. And And he wears it very well because you could put all sorts of different people in this role and you're saying the same things that these cringy upstart YouTuber types and Twitch and TikTok stars say you can put those words in anyone's mouth. You can put the motions. You can put the different genres or niches or 
clickbait ideas of draw my life or vape pen reviews or whatever, you can put all of those things into the same script and have anyone deliver it. And it would have impact, but it being delivered by somebody who is magnetic, he's, he is somewhat magnetic and you instantly feel bad for him because maybe we're just seeing straight through those eyeballs into Joe Curie and knowing that he has such potential and he's such a, a charming and articulate and a, a person who has real passion for acting. And you can sort of see that when you're looking at Kurt Kunkel and it makes it even more pathetic. <laughs> and I think that they cast so very well with this particular film. I don't know if anyone could have really embodied Kurt Kunkel quite the same way. There, there is an adage in any sort of endeavor that you try to do, whether it be career-wise or uh, social status, fake it till you make it. Everybody knows that term. Everybody is has probably said it at least once in their life. And fake it till you make it is something that I go by. But I suppose I had never noticed how sad it would be if it was very obvious that nobody is really engaging with your content and you are broadcasting to a, trying to hush the cheers while you deliver your material and it's as quiet as a church mouse. And I, I, I think that this embodies what is that old Canadian commercial where the kid is trying to bully somebody at a playground. He's like, come on, come on, let's go. Come on, let's do it. What are you scared? What are you scared? And then the camera pans out and they're all by themselves. There's no one that they're bullying. There's no crowd. I guess the disclaimer is, seems pretty silly if they were doing it all by themselves, right? Or the dance, uh, the videos that I've seen on YouTube and shit of like, Imagine someone dancing at a club, but there's not 50 people just around them. And they're just dancing that way by themselves, alone in a room with no music. Pretty fucking sad, isn't it? And it kind of shines a light on some of the things that we do in groups or that we do because of an audience that seems really, really sad when there's nobody around. And I think that this film really embodies that because you have somebody so desperate and the film opens up with a bunch of shots of all the different things that he's tried to do while he made his mark on social media. And you've seen this a lot with other influencers who either make it big before they have the idea that makes them viral. They kind of try everything, unboxing videos, draw my life, uh, vape pen reviews. Here's a haul from this out, the other thing. And they keep trying to use some of their interests to garner down on that interest. It seems very true to life. Like instantaneously when this film begins, I'm very engaged with. Yeah, they must have because they do have, they hit every nail on the head with the way that he's talking about like and subscribe. And even the way that a little later in the film, he says like for like or follow for follow or whatever. And he's immediately disparaged. It's that's a very real reality within creator culture. And that there are people chasing subscribers and chasing follows, likes, and sub for sub and shout outs. It's disgusting. And that's just the tip of the iceberg because it's not even a deep dive to be talking like that because you're just imitating a lot of the very low sub count, low view count people who have videos titled similarly to say whatever that Mr. Beast 
gentleman named Jimmy or James, whatever. I've never watched a Mr. Beast video, but I've listened to him talk about YouTube. So you could basically take a very successful person like that and just watch the people that are imitating them poorly. Like not the people that are imitating them and are maybe on their coattails without any like disrespect there, but they're like not as popular, but they're fairly popular in their own right for their own reasons with their own talent, actual talent, or a charming, a charismatic or magnetic personalities. But it's the people that are in the very vast bottom of that iceberg that are super cringe, you know? It's, it's very easy to tease out a lot of those characteristics and to build somebody who just embodies cringe the way that Kurt Kunkel does. Kurt Kringle, more like it. Got really him. with the like follow smash that like button subscribe comment trying to talk about how many people are in their chat when they're live trying to jump on trends like that maybe don't really fit them i don't think we see him with a vape pen throughout the rest of the movie but he was a vape pen reviewer whatever okay draw my life those are things that people actually suggest people do to try and make money and get rich quick because it is in a lot of people's eyes a get rich quick scheme to be popular online this was before the rise of tiktok or the large rise of tiktok and oh my it would have been a, a slightly different film i think but all of it carries over to the boom that is tiktok disturbing highly disturbing to me i make tiktoks <laughs> you do you make good tiktoks i like your tiktoks a lot sir thank you <laughs> Uh, I think that um, I, I can speak a little bit to the fact that I am a person who is very online. Very, I'm very available. I like to do posts. I like to post uh, about my interests. Uh, it doesn't always fall into one category because I find that when I was a little kid, I got really into things at certain junctures and they became intense fascinations uh, a hyperfixation, as they, they call it. So I have like a lot of general knowledge and I feel like my social media is a lot like that. Like sometimes I'm posting a lot of horror movies. Other times I'm posting some albums for some music that I, I, I really like. Or sometimes I'm like, here's the dog. Or like sometimes it's, it's just kind of whatever I'm thinking about. I don't really have a strategy and I never really have. And that kind of goes with like the blogging. Um, I suppose in the back of my mind, I would have loved to have been able to write professionally in a way that was sustainable. So I didn't have to work at a grocery store, for example, you know, over the last, like I've been doing it for over 10 years at this point, And we have like moderate success with the podcast and it's, it's, uh, we have a, 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 an intensely loyal, but moderate audience. We do have people that listen though. And, um, you know, with the Teresa comic, like, it's hard to not try to compare yourself to the behemoths on the webtoon uh, application. Like it's, it's, you know, you kind of wonder like, oh man, like, you know, I only got like five likes on this or like 10 likes on this. Like what happened? Like no one's commenting. And so I completely get how you can become obsessed with this stuff. And I think the, the, the mentality of just keep making it, just keep making it as long as it makes you happy um, is something that I've had to like, really get into because there's moments in this film where 
you know, uh, Kurt actually breaks down the veil of influencer and you could see the, the raw emotion behind what he's doing. And, and he, and he just is miffed. Like many people are miffed. There's a lot of people that go viral doing this influencer shit, but there's so many more at the, the deepest, darkest, murky waters of the Marianas trench that will never see the light of day that are doing their vape pen reviews and like, what's up fam? Like here we are on another adventure. You know me, it's a haul. We're going to fucking hot topic or whatever the fuck. Like there's people that are just never, ever going to achieve that. And then the internet is so vast. Like a person like Mr. Beast or Paul Logan or PewDiePie can exist with millions upon millions of Markiplier, millions upon millions of fucking followers and people who pay attention to literally everything that they do. And I do not fucking know who they are. And I don't mean that as in a way that like, aren't I just so above it all? That's not what I'm saying. I just, it literally just never crossed my fucking threshold. I know these people's names for different reasons now, but not because I found them on YouTube. Oh, dude, I was totally in PewDiePie before a million bros, bro. I was definitely a follower of PewDiePie because he played horror games, you know? Uh, a fellow horror gamer friend, uh, the drummer from Patron Saint of Plagues, had mentioned, hey, you might enjoy PewDiePie. Also, because I think it's funny when people jump, uh, scare, jump scares, and it's hilarious. So... I did know about PewDiePie. I, I kind of tend to forget, though, PewDiePie is the tippy tip of that iceberg alongside uh, Logan Paul. Or is it Paul Logan? It's Logan Paul, right? Now you're confusing me. I think it's Logan Paul. It's the Paul brothers, right? Yeah, there's two of them. There's they were two. on TV together, I think. Or one of them was on TV? I don't know. Someone in the audience will correct us, I'm sure. Or that Dan fellow that everyone liked at, the, at one point. And... Like some of those at the very tippy tippy top alongside Mr. Beast. Uh, yeah, I tend to forget Pudes is in that group because he just seems so very real. And that's the thing about a lot of them, maybe not so much with the Paul brothers, but they are just very real. Casey Neistat is another uh, influencer, vlogger, YouTuber that is just absolutely 100% themselves. And emulating that personality or trying to not be yourself but quote unquote be yourself by acting like you have a huge following or a very bombastic personality when you don't is totally transparent everyone can see it and it's like the same thing with kurt there's a lot of hatred and anger under there if he had a hatred and anger blog i would probably watch it but him trying to be this bombastic positive follow me magnetic personality is just so see-through and it is with the vast majority of people that are going through the motions. They're told to say smash that like button. So they say that and it doesn't come across correctly at all, at all, at all, at all. And I don't know. I think that's part of what turns me off of saying that sort of stuff in the show here for uh, 10 years. We very rarely say, like, follow and subscribe, everybody. And when we do, we say it like that because it's, it's, it, we know it comes across as plastic unless we're genuinely saying, like, hey, if you're interested, let us know. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, like saying those things normally, you know, mm -hmm. or the way that I profusely thank Thomas all the time and <laughs> double thank Thomas for recommending Chud last week. He is, uh, friend and fan friend of the show fan someone we're a fan of and i 
adore his stand-up comedy and his comic book. Just Those Cops is hilarious, so everyone should run out and, and do that, like, right now. So saying that or talking about Teresa or my talking about my writing, it's all, like, genuine because it's... It, we should maybe talk about those things more. We should maybe ask about f subscribers and sharing and all that stuff. But it, we know it's cringy. We know it is. And so many people who are very successful on YouTube or TikTok or wherever, they know it too. So they don't talk like that. They just don't. So it's only that sort of middle group and the, the failing group, unfortunately, or the frustrated group that are complaining that talk like that. And from the get-go, this film is annoying because you're presented with a screen or split screens with dibby-doos and hearts and number counts and comments and angry comments or disparaging comments or deflating comments like, yo, dude, nobody's watching. Who's he even talking to? Those sorts of things. And they get to you because... Whether it was you making something online that was getting negativity like that, or you're shouting into the void and performing to nobody, that's depressing, I suppose. But to see somebody doing that and getting those negative comments is doubly sad. So there's two different kinds of like pathetic sadness going on the minute you turn this film on. Super cringy. And it's hard to not reflect on that not only on society, but then on stuff like uh, our endeavors online or our show. Even if we're not trying to like get a million subs on Instagram. I think that on the other side of that coin is that I could understand the why. The how we kind of get because we have fucking YouTube gurus shouting at us from all corners about how to do all these things. It's the why that is so personal. And I could understand why you would want followers on the internet because you are impassioned talking about horror. You're an impassioned storyteller. You like to create stories and bring stories that you want to be in the world from a creative fount. There's the why. The why is on Front Street, as you would say. There's your catchphrase, man. Put on Front <laughs> Street. That's your <laughs> all eyes on me. You know, that's your that's your catchphrase. <laughs> But I get the why. My why is similar. A little, little darker, maybe. And a little more riding on other people's creativity. Because I like talking about books. I like writing them, too. But I like talking about other people's stuff. So, like, reviewers and stuff, maybe. I like discussion about things. Or shining lights in dark corners of horror fiction. So, the why is sort of there. The why in Spree is kind of vague and I think that that's the insidious part of this plot or this character is that why does he want to get popular why question mark profit like I don't understand the why and there's nothing in his personality that you can see oh if only this kid was given a chance he would be able to tell us all about what how to do a shitty draw my life review vape pens poorly like what the fuck there's no why I get the why why you should follow Thomas Nichols because he's a great comedian and he has a really inspired comic book that sometimes could like walk a line for some people and I think it's really important to be out there like the why is the important part right Kurt's all about the how and it's so sad to watch him stumble over the how there is this vague notion 
of the lesson that he preaches about throughout the entire film. The lesson seems to be go viral, but perhaps also because he was never given the opportunity to go viral because people don't understand how great I am and the things that I want to say are. So perhaps I will punish people who are more successful. Though the interesting thing about his victims in this film, it's completely luck of the draw, but it's all people that you find on the internet that have a lot of eyes on them for various reasons. Somebody, his first victim is somebody who has a lot of eyes on them for Antifa type, you know, the Make America Great People, the Red Hats. The alt-right. The, yes, the alt-right. Thank you. I'm just like, these fucking libtards, Lydia, you fucking Antifa coming in here telling me that my girls are boys and boys are girls. It's all just crazy talk, don't you know? Not when I was a kid. Not my America. Hey, 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 not my America. Whatever the fuck they say. But the... um. <laughs> That's basically it, verbatim. Like, yes, yeah. you've summed it all up. And he is going to uh, uh, a speech with, like, 3,000 people. Kurt doesn't have 3,000 people that want to hear him how to, like, review a vape pen. I don't... He does other things. I don't know why I'm so fixated on the vape pen. I think it's because, like, it's a douchebag reviewing a thing that douchebags like in a douchey way. <laughs> That's why... I think that they chose vape pens specifically for that, too, because everyone has seen at least one douchey person with a, a douchey vape pen doing douchey things with it. I know lots of people that have vape pens that are absolutely normal people and, and it isn't part of their personality. They haven't like clung on to vape culture uh, like that. But I also have seen and do know some people who became vape culture and an embodiment of vape culture i call them vapula and they <laughs> definitely can't see past the smoke plume you know so it it really speaks to people who aren't even engaged on this and let me ask you this before we get into the the why and wherefore of spree any further do you think that this movie would be entertaining to somebody who hadn't seen douchey vape culture reviews videos or people kind of ruining other things with vape pens or don't know what draw my life is or haven't seen a live on facebook or youtube or twitch or wherever people who haven't looked at all of these platforms at least once or have accounts on these platforms or follow people very closely someone not a complete luddite but someone who just doesn't fucking care would this movie be interesting or even scary my honest reaction is no, because it would be a wall of noise that was generally incomprehensible. And what they were even after is something that they don't understand. So one thing that I view um, perhaps negatively, I don't know. There are people who I feel like are actively disengaged from the world. And I don't think that is just as bad or dangerous as people who are too obsessed with it. So let's take the, the, the Kurtz of the world who want nothing more than to be an influencer. And when you ask children 
very typically what they want to be when they grow up nowadays it's they want to be a youtube influence they're eh, i don't understand I, I i just don't really understand it and then when i hear people say that they don't understand it i kind of have this attitude of like what's to understand yes like what there's nothing to really understand y you have a person with a mouthpiece that wants to say their opinions and become popular and praise you know what the popular kid in school was you know what that was right you can understand what it's like to be popular. You know what a politician is, right? You know what that is. You know what a celebrity is. But I think that all, like, people who would be, I don't know what any of that is. I don't care. I don't, twi tweets and Insta pictures and book face. I don't know what any of that, I don't fucking do. Then, no, they're, they actively are disengaged. So they wouldn't even watch a movie like this. Or if they watched the movie, it would be with their arm crossed, with a sour puss look on their face, just being like, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get it like that is what it is and 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 again to me it reeks of like i'm just so above all of this you're all so superficial and vapid i'm just so above all this i don't even care and you're mad about it apparently and and so no i don't think that this movie works for a person like that whatsoever i think that they would get angry at it uh, in the same way that someone who only ever played a 2d video game their entire life was suddenly expected to operate in a 3d space that's how a lot of people stop playing video games at a certain age because, and you'll hear them say it. Oh, the second it was in 3D, I was out of there. I, I couldn't, I couldn't figure it out. I was always looking at the floor or the ceiling. I, I couldn't figure it out because they didn't want to figure it out. And so they just like, I know, I know my Mario's, and that's what I know. Like that's it. So yeah, no. I tend to agree that I can envision, say, my father, who is of a generation completely detached from technology in that way but he gets it he watches youtube he understands what a live broadcast is he understands what the commenting is and uh, like having an account or being in a casual viewer following subscribing like he understands what all of that is he understands what facebook live is he doesn't use instagram but he gets what it is like by proxy understanding what even the most basic social media is understanding an AOL messenger back in the day. He didn't use it. He didn't use most of those things, but he understands what they fucking are. So he's not going to play the whole like, oh, your tweets and your twats. I just don't get this culture. They don't even use the word culture. They, they don't even consider it as a culture. I, I wonder, I, I, I really wonder, and I would love to find a review of this movie by somebody like that, who not only disengages but has an active disdain for those that do engage in social media you had uh made an example years ago i think of a time when you read someone reviewing a marilyn manson concert who doesn't listen to that type of music and how much they hated it and you're like why is this person reviewing this i think it would be kind of the same thing if someone actively dislikes this type of thing to the point in which they're not like <laughs> look at them lampoon this this vapid uh, uh, lifestyle to the point where it's just like I don't get it I don't fucking even want to know anything about it like then I think you would just get a negative review because it's it's a loud noise to them that they can't process maybe ride sharing is the vector where it would bring in people who are a Luddite <laughs> in one way when it comes to technology social media and different sharing and video sharing platforms and live broadcast platforms um, there's a lot of people that are not into all that but they are actively users or 
operators of ride shares. I have a real fear of ride share and always mm-hmm. have. I've only ever been in one Uber, I think it was, once. I don't think it was a Lyft. I think it was before a Lyft got popular. But I'm just not a fucking fan of that. Thank you. I'll still call a taxi. I took a taxi just three weeks ago. It was great. Actually, it wasn't so great. The, the car was very dirty. So I think that that is the trade-off, though. You're going to end up probably with a, a filthy, overused vehicle, where with an Uber or a Lyft, you have a chance of probably having a, a cleaner ride. But it's just creepy. It's a creepy thing to me. I don't like it. I'm kind of scared of it. I'm surprised there hasn't been a rideshare killer yet. Like, it's very fucking scary to me. Uh, you use Ubers and Lyfts quite often. Do you think that might be like the vector of someone, like something that people are a little more familiar with, perhaps? Yeah, I think uh, the rise of ride sharing when has has normalized it to the point in which I know a lot of people who were in your position very scared to take an Uber on their own because it somehow it seemed less legitimate because they're like, well, it's a stranger driving you around. And then you're like, well, the cab driver is a stranger that's driving you around. And they're like, yeah, but the cab driver has a licensed taxi and they have their information displayed. I was like, assuming that information is accurate. So there's that possibility. But, uh, and I've also known people who, like I said, were actively afraid of, of taking these ride shares who over time, as they've started to use them, start using them quite regularly. I know my partner Cass um, didn't really like the idea of being an Uber. I don't blame them. They are uh, quite small, uh, but they're fighty. So they got that going for them. But um, now they take them fairly regularly. And I'd, I knew one person who the first time I made them get into an Uber with me, they texted me later and essentially yelled at me for making them do that. And then cut to a year later, they're complaining to me because they're spending too much money on Ubers because they Uber to work almost every day. So I think like once people realize how fucking convenient it is, how fast it is, how generally inexpensive it is, uh, you just become addicted to it. Like where you're just like, I could get on a bus or I could walk or I can hit two buttons and waddle my ass downstairs and like lay in the back of a car with my headphones on, disassociate for five minutes and then I'm there. So that becomes the trade off. The point is, is that, you know, I think that people could understand this film from a rideshare perspective if it was filmed like a regular fucking movie then yes. But this is like The Host, or this is like Searching. This is filmed as if you were supposed, un, uh, unfriended. Was it unfriended? The dark web? Or open windows? Yeah. So filmed as if you are a participant in the social media that they're using. And I think that is what is going to turn people off because that is the thing that they don't really like. In the In the weird way, what we're, we're talking about host, did people who spend all day working in Zoom meetings actually want us to go and sit through a movie where they're watching people essentially having a Zoom conversation? Like, would you want to do that after an eight hour shift of Zoom meetings? You have to go, now you're going to go sit in front of the good screen. You're in front of the bad screen. You're going to go sit in front of the good screen and then it's going to emulate your work. I don't know. Like, it's very strange. I never, ever would want to do that. And it's hard for me in a way when things like Horror Writers Association or interviewing or being interviewed takes place on Zoom. 
or other like other endeavors that I have done or are planning to do or have done or have decided to not do that all take place in front of screens that I spend eight hours a day in front of. I mean, right now I have one, two, three, four, five, six monitors in front of me. Shoot me, please. Like, it's just, I don't want to sit in front of this to have social time very much either, right? Like, I would rather give up on all sorts of other fun things or seances over Zoom to maintain the one or two things I do extracurricularly on a lot, on a screen, on Zoom or something like it. This show, of course, and my work and French lessons, <laughs> which all take place in that same sort of atmosphere. Do I want to hang out there after work? No, no. And oh, absolutely not. Before we get too, too deep into it, you had mentioned video games. Uh, what have you been up to? Lately, West. She asked knowing that I wanted to talk about a video game. I had the box here somewhere, but I don't have it anymore. I think it was stolen um, by somebody who brought me a glass of water. Anyways, the, the point is, is um, I've been playing Fatal Frame Maiden of Blackwater. And if people have been following me on social media, um, smash that like button, they would know that I am a huge fan of the Fatal Frame series. Uh, I've been a fan of it since it first came out in the early 2000s for the PlayStation 2. My brother, who's not a horror fan, really, at all, really likes scary video games. He loved survival horror. So my introduction into things like Silent Hill and Resident Evil and Fatal Frame and Haunting Grounds and, and uh, all that kind of stuff was through him. And I would watch him play, and then if I was feeling up to it, I would play the games after him, after I'd already seen him beat it. It was classic older brother, kid brother dynamics. You watch your brother do the thing, and then later on you do it, uh, because you've seen him do it. And the problem with the Fatal Frame series is that it is locked behind antiquity. You need to be able to play these games. There is emulation, and, and if you know how to do that kind of stuff online, that's great for you. But if you were interested in playing it, you would need a PlayStation 2, and you would need a physical copy of the games. And as I think I've mentioned before when it comes to video games, if it is a survival horror game, it is expensive. This is not going to ever be a video game that you can get for 10 or $20. That's just not the way it works. Each one of these games is going to run you over $100 each. And it's kind of a janky experience because they were still feeling out the genre. It worked for then, but I think modern gamers would have a hard time. Cut to Fatal Frame Made in the Blackwater, and you find yourself in a situation where the game came out in 2014, again locked behind a digital-only release for the Wii U. The Wii U was a catastrophic failure for a Nintendo and not a lot of people bought that system. And they ported most of the games that were released on Wii U over to the Switch, which is far more successful. Fatal Frame got a digital-only release. However, you know me, I needs it to be physical in for order to, for me to get excited about anything. So I went over to Play Asia and I ordered a uh, copy from Japan. There is a patch that you, the second you plug the game or uh, pop the game into your PlayStation 4, uh, you can get it for PS5, you can get it for Switch, you can, literally everything. You can get it for everything right now, digital 
copy. It downloads a, an, a patch, and then you get the English voice and the English text. And so it's it, I can play it, essentially, once you switch the settings over and shit. And it's a, a great modern experience. You don't need to play the other games. It is a completely separate story. This is technically the fourth or fifth Fatal Frame game. Don't worry about the other ones. Don't need them. Uh, and it is just great. It is extremely fun. I have a hard time getting into video games these days. I think it's my attention is just so scattered. I have a hard time sitting and really playing games. Uh, but this really grabbed my attention. And it's just, it's not just a good video game. It's good J-horror. If you, like, I am very much always looking for the feeling that I got with the ring. I want things to be kind of rainy. I want there to be people looking over books and documents. And I want ghosts out of the corner of your eye. And, I, and this has all of that. You get to play as three different characters with three different motivations. And it's just, and essentially the object of the game is to take pictures with the camera obscura. It's this magical camera, taking the pictures of the ghosts, depending on how good the photo is, while they're attacking you, you will give them, you will damage them and then you could banish their spirits. And that's essentially how it works. And you can upgrade your camera with different lenses and film stock and all that kind of stuff to do more damage and to progress throughout the game. Uh, but it's really cool. It's, it's, it's a really fucking cool game. So if anyone ever wants to play a Fatal Frame game and they're not looking to spend a fortune or to be really inconvenienced, it's digital. Digital, you could just download it right now and you can play it on anything. I am very interested because it's been recommended to me, Fatal Frame, the whole series mm -hmm. for years, especially because of my interest in photography. So, and J-horror, and of course, library scenes. Mm -hmm. I think that that is a game with Lydia written all over it. So I'll have to check it out sometime. Oh, yeah. And it's always been sort of like a wild goose chase in a way because I've not been able to play it. And I wasn't going to get a PlayStation 2 again or anything like that because i had borrowed a playstation 2 when they first came out and decided that wasn't the console for me and went xbox so i wasn't a sony person hadn't had a sony in the house until the past couple of years so like yeah not it wasn't i was it there was no uh, the ability for me to play it was severely hindered <laughs> right so yeah, this is a kind of a godsend, and I think I'll have to check it out. Because, I, like you, I haven't had a lot of time to play video games. Or when I do make time to play video games, I end up playing Diablo 3, because that's what I've been playing for the last, like, what, 15 years. So th that particular game will always have a special spot for me. I've watched Chris started playing The Quarry, which is part of the Dark Pictures quadrilogy or trilogy alongside until dawn which i know you enjoyed i enjoyed very very much uh, so i'm probably going to start playing the quarry because i just saw a bit of the intro mm -hmm. and just in the few decisions that i saw chris make there's like two out of the maybe dozen that i would have done differently so i'm like yes now i'm excited to check this out and play it so i'm gonna have to start that but uh as far as video games we had watched the new mickey keating movie that just hit shutter um off season mm -hmm. and it has got such a silent hill vibe if you're interested in watching not a j-horror way but a silent hill the film mm -hmm. way as well as the film as the movie as well as the video games because the music the setting 
the camera angles chosen are all very Silent Hill. Uh, the fog rolling in is very Silent Hill. And just the idea of being sort of trapped somewhere and having no one really around to help you. And the few people you do encounter, them being a little bit uh, scary as well. So like really good movie. It was really fun. Very kind of an experimental style film, very artsy at times, but very much like Silent Hill. It reminded me so much of it and it was an influence on the filmmaker. So that was the most recent thing I watched just last night. Really, really liked it. That's really cool. I actually had seen uh, stills yesterday from off season and it looked very intriguing to me. I was getting a um, an isolation vibe, almost like The Shining, but at a beach. Uh, like, like, would it be kind of like that, um, psychological like that? Or is it, let me ask you this, what is the, is there an active threat in this place? Or is it the place itself? supernatural can you give me a little spoiler a little tiny little it's sort of a combination of all of those things Uh, and although our main character is not an unreliable narrator Mm -hmm. like say jack torrance is in the shining Mm -hmm. the area is not unlike the shining itself so while there aren't those ghostly apparitions from the past uh making themselves flesh to dazzle Jack Torrance, there are some remembrances from the past that end up being part of this plot. So yeah, it's kind of got all of those things. It is a psychological and supernatural place and there is something definitely wrong with this place. Is it kind of like, what was that book you did a review on a while ago that there's a couple of movies about, there's a lake, what is that fucking? It was Lake of the Dead, yes. Lake of the Dead. Yes. Um, no, but it is a lot like the book that I read uh, last year, Tide Pool. And I have to say, for anyone that has gone out before or after this episode and watched Off Season, if you like that whole sort of genre and you want it to be just a little more Nancy Drew and set in the 1890s, then Tide Pool is a really good counterpart to this. Or, on the other hand, if you've read Tide Pool and want more of that Off Season, is is just like a kissing cousin to that story. <laughs> That's awesome. Anyway, fuck all that lids. It's been a while, but I'm going to ask the question. What is this movie even about anyways? This movie is about how we can all make it if we try hard enough and believe in ourselves. You know, you go online and you just start making videos. It doesn't matter if they're good. You just start doing it. You just put yourself out there and they will come. Really, that's really it. It's the lesson. The lesson is you put yourself out there in an Uber and you start killing people. And that's how you go viral. That's that's what this movie is even about anyway. Hashtag the lesson. Follow, like, subscribe, and share with all your friends. <laughs> I... <laughs> feel like somebody just shouted slogans at me for 35 seconds that is in a way what this film is about you have kurt's world and kurt's world is your average everyday unsuccessful influencer who is trying desperately to become viral now the thing that i like about this film from the get-go is after they do the montage of everything that he does that has not worked 
we are instantaneously brought to the present in which he is going to do the thing that he wants to work. So there's no thought, there's no contemplation, there's no long, you know, 35 minutes of the film in which you're wa watching a, a man slowly driven to madness. You are watching a happy go lucky kid with a bunch of water bottles and a, a pocket full of dreams with his own great idea about how he's going to become viral. And he is going to, he speaks about this as if this is a trend that he is aware of because he wants to go for six because no one's done six. And that implies that there's been other people that have filmed themselves killing their rideshare uh, people. That is his goal. And he even gives you a tutorial about how to poison people's water with uh, a syringe and hot glue. And immediately I was interested in the tone because, gang, when Lids recommends me a horror movie, I normally don't research it too much. Uh, this, I was not aware of what the tone would be. I think... You would ask if I had seen it and I had Googled it and I saw a screenshot of it looked like somebody screaming. And so I wondered, oh, is this going to be really sadistic and really fucking dark? And it's not. It's 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 almost played for laughs. I know I had heard this described some places as comedic. I wouldn't. There are things that are definitely comedic, but it's in a more surreal way. There's one scene that made me laugh out loud legitimately uh and we'll get to that in a minute but <laughs> um for the most part it, it is it is a fairly light-hearted but graphic um depiction of a person killing people not unlike tragedy girls uh, a film that i think i talked to you before we started going but uh, another film that is filmed more like a traditional movie or exclusively like a traditional movie about people who are killing others to up their social media credentials and become successful online. And that is what we've got going on here with old Kurt's World. Kurt's World is the embodiment of so many small channels. And they do it really right in sort of fast forwarding us through his motivation in a way because he mentions offhandedly Bobby Basecamp, that kid he used to babysit and he's known him for so long and he gets a shout out on his channel sometimes. And it's, like you you get the idea that okay you're just you know a kid that got very popular online and you're kind of treading on his coattails um you get the idea that he's tried a lot of stuff because we see these snippets we see him talking about the real kurt and this is when it gets kind of insider baseball if you've already followed a lot of like youtube stuff if you've made youtube stuff if you've listened to youtube gurus and educators or i keep saying youtube but it's not just YouTube and it's really more TikTok now, but you, you get all of those signals and you understand exactly what Kurt is. And then on in a more insidious way, a little bit darker, it's taking place in California. And I don't think this is where he gets that number six from, because like I'd said earlier, I don't think there are other rideshare killers, at least not that I'm aware of. I'm just, I'm not really clear on that. But Elliot Roger and this kid have a lot of parallels. And Elliot Roger was that virgin killer, the incel, the supreme gentleman, 
Elliot Roger, who drove around Santa Barbara shooting people. And he had those videotaped manifestos that were on video sharing platform. I should just say video sharing platform now instead of YouTube mm -hmm. all the time, because I don't want them to be, you know, shedding a bad light over this, because um, it just so happens a YouTube-like platform. But Elliot Roger had all these manifestos, and there is one in the early shots of Spree, there is a scene of Kurt Kunkel wearing blue jeans, a plaid-ish kind of hoodie, and he's got aviators on, which he wears a lot in this film. And he's standing on a roadside, which is a, a vantage point we don't see him in. We mostly see the snorry cam sort of camera pointed at him, someone else's camera pointed at him, or all of his cameras in his car pointed at him. But this vantage point of having a camera propped up and him doing a standee, we don't see often but so this is like one of the only standee shots in the film and he's on a roadside and the cars keep going by and interrupting him while he's trying to tell us about the real Kurt and failing <laughs> at that too and there's like a hillside in the background but it is all it is the same angle the same kind of dress and I've even taken pictures to prove this to myself that this is exactly like one of the more rare Elliot Roger videos that have been subsequently taken down. You can see them on documentaries about the killer, but this was one of the only videos that he had shot, not in his car. He shot sometimes handheld standing beside his car, but to not have his car in the frame, to be standing on a roadside with other cars driving by interrupting him, it's the same damn thing. And it's just so similar that it can't, no, it can't be not, it simply must be connected and it must be one of the other influences to this particular video. And he is called an incel at a couple points in this particular film. So that Elliot Roger sort of subtext right from the beginning set me ill at ease in the good way, because I had a feeling I knew more about what I was watching and how dark Kurt Kunkel was about to be. Had you picked up on any of that other sort of modern day serial killer angle in Kurt in the first, say, 15 minutes of this movie? I think that when you, the, the most unsettling thing about Kurt in the opening moments of this film is how what he's doing and what he's saying are very at odds with each other because you see the persona of the influencer front and center most of the time. But imagine if somebody never broke eye contact with you and then cheerfully, excitedly, uh, with as much animation as possible, told you that he was, this is how you fill syringes and water bottles with poison. And he's doing it as if he's giving you like a, a, one of those five minute life hacks videos or something like that, where he's like, I bet you didn't even know. Look at that. Hot glue. Isn't that great? And so to me, it's, it's, it's more unsettling, or at least on the level of unsettling, as you're in the serial killer's lair, and he turns on some music on an old gramophone, and it's like cheerful or happy or beautiful and calming, and then he is slowly dismembering you while this music is playing something horrific with the backdrop of something beautiful and normal and and uh things of that nature and this is the same type of thing but it is that vacuous happy look on his 
face where everything is fine and this is just my tutorial on how to kill people so you can do it too. A lot of the spree killers in modern times have had this methodology to them in which they write long manifestos online for you to read. They record video of them. They take photos of them, even going all the way back to ancient times of Columbine. Those kids videotaped themselves. They videotaped themselves holding their guns and wearing their coats and with their sunglasses and listening to their Marilyn Manson lids and you know the type and probably watching a horror movie and they're doing all this stuff. The guy that shot up that mosque in Australia a couple of years ago, it looked, the video footage looked like a scene of Call of Duty. Mosque shooting video because it was everywhere and I'm, I have that imp of the perverse in me as I think a lot of people who like this type of stuff do, I wanted to see. And so I watched it and I kept having to remind myself every time someone got shot and I was like, that didn't look very realistic. And it didn't really look like anybody died. And then you have to say like, no, you idiot, people are dying. This is a real video that you're watching. This is not a video game. This is not a movie. And I think that having all that knowledge in my head and watching Kurt Knowing that I'm watching a horror movie, knowing that I, I that he is going to kill people and the gleeful way that he's doing it, he comes off as so much more unhinged and it's so callous. Like it, he, he is killing people in the same way that we watch. Who's his buddy? Bobby. Bobby Basecamp. Bobby Basecamp. You see a Bobby Basecamp video where he is, and I've seen videos like this. What if you gave a homeless person $100? Is he a good homeless person or is he a bad homeless person? And you have this opportunity to look at somebody and are you looking at a person experiencing homelessness who is struggling with addiction or is struggling with some other mental health issues? Oh no, he's a good one. Look, he bought all of his friends food. He's a good guy. And then you have this fucking Bobby Basecamp asshole just kind of come up in the background with a hoodie full of dollar bills. And you can tell that he's like a Mr. Beast, like just like this insane philanthropist that just has all this kinds of money and just does like, I'm going to buy out a grocery store. What if other people need to like buy food? Oh, I'll buy the food for them while they're there. I'm like, what if they're not there? And people go to buy like baby formula and diapers and uh, paper towels and there's nothing at their grocery store and they don't have a car to go somewhere else, and they don't have other means to get other stuff. What do you do? What about that, Mr. Beast? Oh, don't worry about it. Views are over. Bam, 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 bam. I'm out of here. Right? It's like it's that complete indifference. So, like, I think they're equally gross. This person is killing somebody, and I think that this person is manipulating, is extremely rich in manipulating the poor for views and clout. Like, it's sick. It's very, very sick. It is. It is sick. And that's why I think that the tutorial methods, it's almost like him going back to his roots every so often. Because with the water bottles, he's got this almost innocent sort of thing. And I've done a tutorial video, how to autofocus a camera when there's no one else to hit the autofocus button and you need to stand 10 feet away from it. So you need the camera to focus on your face, but you're, you're not able to hit the 
camera on the button and it sounds like less complex than it ought to be but it is trust me <laughs> and it was a great little one minute tutorial and it seems so like wholesome and like i'm helping people and it's kind of cute in a way when kurt does that tutorial and he has a tutorial sort of later on like this is what you do with their phone afterward you know, five stars, you know, somewhere right in the middle for the tip. Cause you don't want to arouse suspicion, you know, that sort of stuff. Those sort of helpful moments is the only thing he's really good at. But the Bobby base camps of the world couldn't be bothered with helping people, even in that small little way. And sure, it's a tutorial on killing people. I, I, it is wrong. Yes. But it's less wrong than what Bobby Basecamp is doing. It's, you know, it, getting getting by and millions of dollars on basically teabagging people in the most popular war game or whatever it is that he did to get his money. The extreme amount of money that can be generated to a person who becomes a huge influencer on social media is mind boggling to me. And in a weird way, I can't I can't blame them for losing their minds and just you got to keep putting more into your videos because you want to maintain this lifestyle the bobby base camps of the world who do exist like tiktok is full of people who are just like this that are constantly doing these public stunts in order to garner views and they'll stretch them out over multiple videos and then there's an entire people uh, there's an entire population of people who become popular by responding to videos like that. So even people who are like, you can either make that cringy ass material or you could be the person actively criticizing that cringy ass material. Or, you know, uh, one of the the, the TikTok uh, abilities is to um, stitch it, duet it. So you can like just latch onto something. And a lot of it is like weird, like uh, inspirational speeches and shit like that. I told you like, I hate seeing videos of successful people telling me that I shouldn't worry about being successful or that I'm like Steve Harvey telling me to wake up at like four o'clock in the morning because if you don't do that, you're not going to be successful. Or Arnold Schwarzenegger telling me that I should only be sleeping four hours a day. I'm like, why does everyone think that I need to be tired all the time? Or like, why, like, why the fuck is like all of a sudden sleeping is a bad thing? It's this insane hustle culture that we have that is really sickening to me. But like, I can't tell you how many TikTok videos exist of just like some jag off with a beard and a baseball hat, like pointing up to like a screen that he, like a video that he didn't even make. And like, it's got like fucking 300,000 fucking views. And it's like, all this guy did was like, do this to like the music, like boom, boom, boom. Boom, boom, boom. And like, <laughs> oh no, oh no, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> Fuck. Yeah. I think that what this film does really well and what makes it less superficial than other films that have tackled this subject matter is it really tackles the why. The why of. Why is this person, Bob, why is Bobby Basecamp popular, making millions? He's like a Bella Porsche or something like that. And Kurt, Kurt's world is doing other things which are no more or less cringy or interesting. And yet there is a difference in people's minds. Bobby Basecamp is literally 
in this guy's live stream saying everything he's doing is boring, you're not good at this, this is so cringy and bad, when Kurt is literally emulating people just like Bobby Basecamp, he's like, this isn't innovative, this isn't interesting, this isn't good. And me sitting here as someone who has a baseline understanding of what all this kind of stuff is, but I, I am not, you know, very in tune with metrics and that kind of crap, I don't see the difference. I do not see what makes this bad and this good. And a great example of that is the first time I ever heard of PewDiePie was somebody making fun of the fact that he did a post where he was like, I just had a glass of milk. And there was tens of thousands of likes and comments and shares under it. Like, haha, PewDiePie, you're so wild. Haha, that's so funny. That's so you. Like, all this fucking stuff underneath it. I was like, who the fuck is this jackass? Somebody could tweet something interesting, have information, or or do something cool, and crickets, nothing. No likes, no comments, no views, no nothing. And then this guy says, I drink a glass of milk, and he cracks the world wide open. Why? That, and the film never attempts to answer this, which I like. And they even have examples later on in the film of the, the comedian who has a moderate following and is actually talented, watchable, interesting, has more to say and could do some good in the world. And she has a moderate following. And they have a, a, a girl that was in a sex tape that is a DJ that has a, a very active following. And of course, it's sort of like the curse of Sasha Gray, where even to this day, you'll go on Sasha Gray's. Uh, Twitch stream where she's playing a, a video or making a uh, a recipe or something or cooking because she's actually a pretty good little cook and I like some of her more heritage recipes but there are those people that are there because of her porn career right so they're going to get some comments like that and it's a very very big following so it's sort of like that same problem that this DJ has although she's lapping it up for sure but she has like the most followers and like she's not really contributing anything there's nothing wrong with what she did it's not about good or bad but she's not contributing anything isn't really talented doesn't really have much to say or do in the world or with this following and she's just sort of like there where there's this comedian that could actually do a lot of good in the world with a larger following. So it's like the good version of that same sort of mirror image that you get with the two males, of course, Kurt and Bobby. And yeah, why is one more popular than the other? You can answer that on a base level, like, well, one did a sex tape or Bobby plays video games and Kurt doesn't very basic answers to that but it doesn't speak to the psychology of why or the morality or what that says about us as a species when kurt is going through his murder spree he is initially criticized by his only viewer which is bobby Basecamp, and the water bottle things just ain't cutting it i don't know if he it's, Bobby seems to indicate several times that he doesn't think what Kurt is doing is real. But then he also indicates several times that he's like, yo, you're on some evil shit, man. You're doing some evil shit. I do not condone this. I like. So I was like, does he know that he's actually killing people? Or does he just suspect that he is pretending to kill people? It's kind of like, um, did you ever see that movie Cam? It was on Netflix. There was. Uh, I don't think so. The, the 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 idea of cam is it is a is a, a a woman who is a cam girl who is trying to become the most popular person on like an only fans type 
situation or a chatterbait or whatever. And, and she does elaborate things in which it looks like she's killing herself. Like she'll dance and she'll do some stuff and then it'll look like she'll blow her fucking brains out or something like that. And then that's how she gets popular. And then like some weird fucking supernatural shit ends up happening midway through the film. Uh, it's, if you have not seen uh, Cam, highly, highly recommend it. It's incredibly good. I will watch it. That sounds really interesting to me. It really does. Out of all of them, because it's hard for me to sift through them, because I've tried to watch a couple of these, like, unfriended type videos or movies mm -hmm. from time to time. But within five minutes, I just cannot handle the people and the interface. It's either too shaky or they're too close to it or it's embodying everything about social media that I don't like and it's a personality I don't want to watch for 90 fucking minutes which you could say the same thing about Kurt but he's he does it right you know and pushes those buttons so Cam I'm definitely going to check out because I do like this delivery I like the message I like a lot of stuff about this sort of stuff Cam sounds right up my alley yeah oh and just, and just so you're not like too shy like Cam um it does have moments in which you are seeing what a streamer would see if they were watching her, but the vast majority of the film is filmed like a, a movie. So it's kind of a little bit of both. That's good. But uh, when Kurt tries to up the ante, he, it's this really chaotic sequence in which he takes three people into his car and all of these people, like I said earlier, he is killing people that are the worst. He First he kills an alt-right person uh, who calls him like a libtard or some shit. And then he ends up killing uh, a, a real estate agent that looks like she would be a Karen. I think that's supposed to be the, the, true, the trope of her personality. She is a real estate agent. She's blonde and upwardly mobile and, you know, probably a Karen. She's rude to her male mate. Yes. She's a man-hating bitch. Man-hating bitch. Yeah. Um, she, uh, and then we got a bunch of like, party people who look like they're like, you know, selfies and mm, come on, like, let's, let's take a photo together. Let's look literally good. And they're doing like the pouty face and they're all on Instagram and like, like duck lips, which is a phrase I didn't think I would say, uh, ever again, seven <laughs> years ago. <laughs> yeah. And, and he takes them to like this junkyard. And I guess the idea is they're eaten by dogs. Like, and then he drills into the head of another one. And the whole reason why he does this, he abandons the poisoning aspect of it is because of the fact that Bobby Basecamp is telling him that the ways that he's killing people is not interested. He does hit a guy with his car and that is like a, uh, a dude bro douchebag that like when he first meets this uh, woman who's a comedian, they, they, they videotape him because he's being like a creep in this rideshare program. Like he wants her to smile, he's trying to hook up with her, like and and Kurt is yelling at him to get out of the car and shit like that. Which I think is really awesome. I've seen a couple, because um, I don't usually click on these clickbaity sort of like social commentary type videos that are on any social media where it's like uh, Uber driver kicks out racist customer or whatever. But that's really how they go. You know, you stop the car and you're like, get out. And they have, they beak off and you're like, get out. And they beak off and you're like, just get out, sir. And they beak off. And that's how this scene is played out. And I really like it. Uh, uh, even up until the time that he runs Mario over, because that's the one guy, Mario Papazan, played by John DeLuca, 
who is this creeper. And I like that it has another angle of the aspect of it has another aspect of the danger of social media. This guy was being a creep and he knew he was being a fucking creep. And he was reading off page one of the creep playbook by telling her to smile more and saying that she could like get on this third leg of his or whatever the hell. And he was surprised when she's like videoing him and then putting him on Instagram live reels or TikTok or whatever it was supposed to be with like this guy. Hey everyone, beware of this guy. So it's like a, a beware video at that point, like creep patrol, which is great. And it's sort of like the diametric opposite of the of the zodiac of horror movies that are presented to us in cabin in the woods where you have like your jock and your geek and your virgin and your party girl and the final girl i suppose so you've got the <laughs> creepy jock and the karen girl and it's like this evil zodiac of horrible people i hadn't really picked up on that he's picking those sorts of people off one by one it is all random too because this is literally the rideshare spree is the name of the rideshare that they're using and these are just random people that are getting into his vehicle it's so creepy i never thought of the how these represent those particular people aside from that first guy which was very obvious mm -hmm. that uh, white supremacist guy mm -hmm. i think you set up the people that he's killing as the most obvious person first to get you in the mindset of, okay, who's the next one kind of like, because the other ones, maybe not the party people, but the other ones are a little bit more subtle in terms of who they represent online, right? Like Mario is like DM dick pic Doug, right? Like that is like that guy for sure. And so when Kurt is killing these people, uh, it seems to be like he's he's knocking off people who are per the types of personalities that become successful on the internet. And one thing about this incident with uh, what is the comedian's name? Is it Jessica? Jesse Adams. Jesse Adams. She is um, a, a rising star comedian, and this leads to a, a, an aspect of Kurt's personality um, which is very insidious in which he will follow people who are more popular than him. He wants their attention. So the like for like, the follow, can you give me a shout out? All of this stuff. That's how come he ends up going to go see Uno. Um, he doesn't even know who that person is. He has, he, the audience that is watching him has to tell him who this person is, which I think is brilliant because like we were saying earlier, how many times are people super popular online and we have no idea who they are? It's not because we're actively avoiding it, but it's just the internet is so big. If someone has 100,000 followers, well, there's almost 8 billion people in the world. So that doesn't even really represent a large percentage of the population. And, but to those people, oh my God, as if you don't know who Uno is, take us to Uno. We want to see Uno. Nobody knows who that is. And even when you go to where Uno is because of her dad, played by David Arquette, uh, DJ Chris, uh, it's always good to see him in something that's not Scream. And the when you see him take her to this club, to this DJ, yeah, there's nobody in this club. It's empty. So you're asking yourself, like, why is Uno even here? She's lit her and her entourage are literally the only people in this dance club 
And DJ Chris is like not very successful, but yet she seems to know who he is. So it, it really is opening up all these avenues of someone can have tens of thousands of followers on social media. It doesn't really mean that they have the kind of clout that you think they might. It's, a, it's, it's pretty weird, um, but also kind of insightful. I don't know. It is, and Jesse really offers a more balanced perspective of that, although her life online is not all we get of her personality. And I, I, it is just like a byproduct of what she does as in stand-up comedy. She seems to treat social media to a certain extent, not only as a place where she can have her best jokes live on forever, I guess, and have, for people that didn't weren't able to get to the club live, to show pictures of like her feet or her grandma or whatever cute dogs stupid normal crap that everyone posts online that like the thing that we share amongst our friends and family or for entertainment sake or for posterity whatever reasons that's how she seems to use it but has as a byproduct of a fairly substantial following so she even turns to Kurt. Within seconds, she's got him dialed in and says, are you a Twitter bot or is there a real live human boy in there? Because of the <laughs> way he's talking and acting. Later on at her show, because Kurt, yeah, does follow her. Not follow her online, but follow her literally mm -hmm. <laughs> to watch her show. And she's like, I saw a lot of the beginning of me in that. In that cringy Twitter bot like, follow, share, subscribe, smash that like button sort of attitude that so many people think is bona fide or think works or think isn't transparent online. And Kurt is just, yes, 100% the embodiment of all of that. So if we hadn't been able to put our finger on it, it's one of the only other times, not only is it a plot device because it talks about Jesse and the way that her story arc goes after that but it does put the finger on why he's so cringy if we hadn't figured it out ourselves it's one of the only time that this plot is really spoon-fed to us in mm -hmm. case we hadn't noticed so it might be a point where it's sort of saved for people that aren't in on this online culture so much if they're watching this movie and they don't get it so to speak mm -hmm. but he is like a Twitter bot. He's always on the wrong channel, but he's always on. <laughs> Kurt manages to become, get some eyes on him the only way he knows how. And this is a very big aspect of TikTok, as I said before. But he's going to do a takeover. And how does he do a takeover? Well, he's going to Bobby Basecamp's place and he's going to do a little takeover. I'm going to tell you something. I've never been happier to see a fucking kid get murdered in my entire life. I hated this Bobby Basecamp character. I fucking felt as though Kurt was killing every annoying person on TikTok I've ever seen in my entire life. Some fluffy haired douchebag kid with tens of millions of dollars. Just like, hey, it's all love, man. It's all love. This is how we do here at Bobby Basecamp. Blah, blah, blah. I was like, oh my God, dude. Fucking the, the, the shock and realization on his face when he gets stabbed and then he pulls out a gun to try to protect himself and then in the struggle gets shot in the head. It's great. It's graphic. 
um, it's a little hard to process what was going on because you are looking at Kurt, looking at Bobby, who's looking at Kurt. So the screens are just really hard to engage with. And this is where an aspect of this film really becomes difficult to process. It's because Bobby Basecamp has tens of thousands of followers, people who pay attention to when he's streaming and there's a chat feed going and the chat feed is going and going and going and going. And I can pick out some things that are being said, but it's moving so fucking fast. It is. And it's sort of like, I've had a few lives before and even with like 30 to 40 people in there with half of those people engaging and conversing and I'm friends with most of them, if not all of them, and it's a real conversation you're trying to have. It even moves a little fast with that, with those small numbers of friends in a, in a live or playing on, on Twitch the one or two times that more than five people have commented. I'm like, ah, that's too much. I can't imagine. I, I can't imagine. It's just a blur and it's a blur to us. It's also like a really cool turning point in the film in that up until then, Kurtz maybe had like six viewers, nine viewers. The only person commenting is Bobby. And then all of a sudden... It's the effect of, in the sickest way possible, a raid on Twitch. So if you're watching a stream on Twitch, watching, for me, Diablo, <laughs> you're watching someone play Diablo 3, and their stream is over, it can automatically push you to another streamer's channel if they've enabled raids. So all of the followers or viewers from one channel end up going to watch another channel. And that's the normal way it's supposed to work in real life that's friendly and helpful and kind of cool. YouTube is now initiating something like this as well. But this is like the brute takeover of the channel and all of those followers go to follow Kurt. Not only whether they think it was really real and Bobby has been killed by this guy and we need to follow him and report him to authorities. They also think that this might be, this might be the rideshare killer that is terrorizing California right now. Or they think it's fake, and who the fuck is this guy that just ruined Bobby's stream? Or, oh, Bobby's a genius. We're going to follow this genius thing that Bobby's doing now because this is all a fake thing that Bobby's going to pop out any moment and, I don't know, splash some mad cash or whatever the fuck this kid does. Um, <laughs> like, this is Bobby's genius. We got to keep following because this is Bobby's genius. Or people that just don't get it. Or the few comments. I keep seeing these comments pop up that are like, oh, this is so goth. <laughs> this is so this is so gothic. This is so gothic. It's so weird. But it is like a neurodivergent challenge because I have a hard time following. We're following a split screen at this point. And from this point on, the camera angles do get a little more kinetic. Be not because only of the split screen. There's other split screen moments in this where he's encountering people who are also on live and they show us both of these things. The only time we really get a breath is police body cams, parking lot cams, some of the other few angles that they pull in. Otherwise, it's a little frantic. So from the time that he's taken those three people on a joyride and fed them to the dog, so to speak, and drilled into their, uh, drill down in your niche, you gotta drill down. <laughs> oh my God. So much like YouTube insider stuff makes this even more sickening. From that point, it's getting a little bit more intense and the sick beats that Kurt has dropped or whatever you do with sick beats. That's another thing right up there with the draw my life, 
and tutorials and vape reviews the uh follow me on spotify for my sick beats or whatever my lo-fi chill beats he does that too it's disturbing but at this point all those followers have come so the screens are getting really full of text and it is extremely hard to follow even on my second viewing of a movie that i really like it was just a little bit too much later on in the film because we're going to be talking about it today and there was a few chunks of text i really wanted to see what they said i would pause it but there's no way to engage with that or to read it or to look to it because it does actually fit in with the plot and it does feed character there are some character building things where people who know kurt post on this and it flies by at a very rapid pace so there's no way you could really catch all of it so maybe it's working subliminally but it is really hard to follow now you found you were a little bit hunched over and staring down in the corner of the screen trying to read a little bit of it at one point was there a point where you you just kind of gave up and your peripheral vision took over and you just let it all in? No, unfortunately. I am I am the type of person that I can get pretty overstimulated with visual noise, a lot of light. I have like a lot of light sensitivity. So when I'm sitting in my apartment, the curtains are typically drawn most of the lights if i had it my way all of the lights would be off at all times but um unfortunately uh that's not the way it is but you know i like things cold and dark and that's the way i like it and when i'm watching something with that much visual stimulation i need to focus on something and it was i, I had to keep reminding myself that the chat was not really something i was supposed to be absorbing but i i kept thinking i was like I'm missing things. If I'm not looking at this, my eyes can dart over to Kurt and see what he's doing, generally speaking. But also, I tended, I was zoning out during dialogue because I was reading the chats and then I can't even hear what Kurt is saying anymore. And my partner will attest to this. I, I can, my ears just turn off. I am not listening. If something else, if I'm trying to read something, or listen to something, I cannot hear anything else. Like I, I get so laser focused in it to, for better or for worse. And so this film was, um, as I told you before we started recording, you can't relax while you watch it. This is not a relaxing experience. It is an, an exercise in how much visual shit can you process at once? You know, me laugh out loud was the Uno scene, which where she, <laughs> You'd think she's dead in the car because she had a bit of water and she's just, uh, and before that she is posing on line with the gun that Kurt has in his glove box now because he took it from Bobby Basecamp. And while Kurt is doing the, the, the drunk thing, the drunk test thing, I'm reading the, the, the screen because I don't know what's going to happen. And all of a sudden, Uno is like sprung to life and just fucking shoots a cop in the head through the windshield. And I, it like threw the whole thing into such relief because it was such a loud noise and it was such a random dramatic thing that happened. I fucking started howling laughing because it was so fucking funny to me. But it, it really took a moment like that to sort of, because so much was going on. You had two different cops talking. You had Kurt talking. You had the, the chat going. You have Uno starting to uh, uh, wake up. So it's like, 
it's like this movie is demanding your attention and in a weird way it speaks to that overstimulation that people seem to need i know people who need to look at their phones that need the tv on that need a fan on that need to listen to music that like there's all this you need everything all the time all at once and if you cannot be alone with your thoughts for a second and i don't know if that is a reflection on what we've turned ourselves into or if we were just as a as a because of our brains we were waiting for this for our technology to keep up with the fact that our brains need constant stimulation um i don't know man like this movie becomes white noise at some points it does i totally agree with you because i do like I, i'll keep saying i like this movie i like watching it i like the experience and the tension it immediately inflicts and the cringe feeling and the i want to get out of here feelings that i that i have while watching this movie very uncomfortable movie to watch but i like watching uncomfortable things and reading uncomfortable things but i typically yeah cannot handle this sort of bling on screen and the bright lights and the motion and all of that but i've gotten pretty good at watching say a live stream with four people on it they're following a sort of polite decorum though so there's not overlapping action it's a conversation with four people like a panel conversation or something with a live chat running that i'm absolutely 100 fucking ignoring because i i do just ignore the live chat streaming so i've train myself to be able to ignore the text for the most part so that becomes a little less intrusive but otherwise yeah it's a 100% abrasive visual experience and I think that someone who hadn't maybe watched like four-person panel discussions online with live chats running and learned to ignore it would have a really hard time it would become white noise entirely would they even be able to follow the plot whatsoever especially when you have like a chase sequence after this where he drives through a shanty town and that's another moment where you get to kind of slow down and he has a commentary on like our homeless in our city while everyone just bustles around them and doesn't pay them any mind it's so sad the other thing that he says during when he's running over these homeless people in a shanty town is he's like all these people look at them they have no online presence and if you're not online you don't exist like he's he, like he's disgusted by them because and it speaks more to what he thinks of himself if he doesn't exist if he's not online and people aren't watching you it's the ultimate like like look at me and if you don't look at me i'm going to fade away he's like tinkerbell like he needs people to clap for him otherwise he's going to die like i i think that um that whole sequence, this whole sequence is really confusing. He ends up flipping his entire vehicle and then he just ends up at this comedian show. Uh, and I-, I love the reaction. I did pick out the uh, the commentary in this particular sequence. They're all very happy that he lived. Or like, he lived! <laughs> he didn't die. Because now he's like, not only has he killed like a dozen people, he's also been there while a cop got fucking shot in the head yeah now there's definitely several felonies and indictable offenses going on on this live stream and it's insane to me that he can keep track of his phone in one respect because the first thing i would do is like fling my phone even at the beginning of watching chris play the quarry there's a point where 
a, a girl that's spooked while she's using her phone as a flashlight. And I'm like, I would have flung that phone. Like, totally. I don't care how many hundreds of dollars the thing costs or whatever. Or if it's under contract or whatever. Like, that phone would have been in the drink. But that is a, another generation below us, perhaps, where, of course, they wouldn't lose their phone. Their phone is, like, basically tethered to them. It's crazy to me that he's hung on to his phone through all this. Or other people's phones. Because he's picked up Bobby's phone here and there. And, like, he goes to this comedy show, still continuing to follow and check up on, maybe even to check and see if she gave him the shout-out. She sort of nonchalantly, half-acidly said she'd give him to get him off her back. He goes to the show, and he looks horrible. He's a fucking sweaty wreck that just got in a car crash <laughs> with blood all over him. He's tried to wash out blood at the gas station here and there, but, like, he is a wreck. He looks like a cretin. I, I do like, I kept trying to take a photo of it, but for some reason my TV, it, it was like coloring weird because I wanted to like post on um, on Instagram his outfit that he stole from Bobby Basecamp, which is so fucking hilarious to me. Like he's, he, he looks like vaguely normal for a while. And then the second he kills Bobby Basecamp, he basically just like, and now I'm going to dress like Bobby Basecamp, who is a guy who gets like a bunch of free clothes because he's an influencer. And so he ends up like wearing this like stark white long sleeve shirt with a bunch of like graphics all over it. And then he's wearing this like bright pink leopard print bucket hat. And he looks like such a jackass to me. <laughs> but I was like, this is just what he wants, man. Like this is exactly what I want. And then yeah, cut to 20 minutes later in the film and he's just like a sweaty, dirty, mess all those clothes are ruined the bucket hat who knows where it is it's probably burning in a car somewhere and this comedian she does her speech and she talks about a little bit of realness where she before she was with her aunt or her grandmother or something like that where that's her safe place she likes to go there for pre-shows and stuff like that when kurt was watching it he because he was paying attention to her he sort of lamented, the way that I lament, if we're being 150% honest around here, the way that I lament when I see people kind of doing nothing on social media, but getting all of the attention. And he said something that really struck me to my core. He's like, "What? Are, like that should be my audience. They're not even trying. They're not even doing anything. And I'm trying. I'm doing all this stuff. I'm really, really trying. And no one's paying attention to me. And I have those thoughts constantly, particularly when it comes to like, Teresa or this show or anything like that. Anytime it doesn't, I'm like, maybe this one will be the one that like really hits. Maybe this one will be the one that gets more than five likes or someone more than my mom will comment on it. Like maybe this will be the one and it never is. And I, it's fine. But sometimes I feel like it's not fine. And sometimes I get really bummed out about it from her perspective. She is just sharing her life and she isn't really doing anything in her mind, but the audience has gravitated towards her. And it was almost like the second she stopped trying and she did have something legitimate to say, people gravitated towards that. And I think that the message of this film, as muddled as it might be, is that not everyone could or should be doing this type of stuff. It seems very easy. It seems like something that you don't really have to try at. But in the same way that for years, famous people, whether they be playwrights or actors or singers, uh, writers or anything like that, that, generally speaking, if you're 
something you say will touch the audience that you need it to touch. And what I like to say is you make the stuff for the people that show up. You don't make the stuff for the people that don't show up. And I think that when she was telling her story on stage and then saying that she was going to disengage from social media, there was a part of me that was like, oh man, like that's really, yeah, I, I could see from her perspective that she has all of this success already and now she kind of feels like she doesn't want it. But then there's that shitty side of me, Lids. That shitty, shitty side of me that is like Kurt, that just thinks this is all just more performance. This is all, you're Steve Harvey telling me to wake up at four o'clock in the morning. You're Ashton Kutcher telling me that I don't need a hot girlfriend when you're married to Mila Kunis. Like, you're these people who have things that a lot of people want, wealth, success, fame, and you're telling people, don't worry about it. Those aren't the important things in life. It's easy to say when you have those things and you're not afraid of losing them. Just like streamers telling you, oh, I kind of wish like my stream only had a couple of people in it so I can really engage with my audience and I can really talk to them. When there's like 5,000 people watching me, oh, I can't even, can't even read the chat. There's just so many people. Like it's so impersonal. Like as if they would fucking stay on the stream if there was five people in it. They wouldn't, but they're just saying it. And so this person's saying that they're going to log off social media and she does her mic drop and all the kind of shit. Maybe she believes it. She smashes her phone. It's a viral moment. A lot of people are praising her. And, you know, and then uh, that one dude, that weird, creepy friend of hers is like following her around and shit uh, with his phone because now he's getting likes and views because of her and he won't turn off the phone. It becomes infectious. Because it is absolutely infectious. And even if you don't want to be online, if you're running in certain circles, there's no way for you to get offline because someone else is going to post about you online. Someone else is going to follow. You're going to end up in, tagged in something or whatever, depending on what circles you run in. And this particular circle, especially with this guy who's clout chasing as well, a fellow comedian who has the hots for her, he's going to keep that camera all eyes on Jesse. And it's, it's disturbing. Although... She also has a phone in her hand within 15 minutes of this film again and is frantically trying to get online because that's not only the benefit of it, the safety aspect. And that's something that Kurt uses to pass off the cameras in his car is it's for my protection. I, why do you have all these cameras in your car? It's for my protection. Why does Jesse need a fucking phone not long after the same night that she smashed one on stage saying she's going to log off? for her protection you know she needs to be online unfortunately for that reason and also maybe it's force of habit she's used to having everything documented or documenting everything about her day even her visit in her safe space with her grandma to be quiet and recollect and touch base before a show she's vlogging it there is an aspect of our day-to-day -day lives with social media and our phones that you can escape. There was an interesting podcast I was listening to about the birth of the iPhone, the smartphone. And they said that generation that bought their first iPhone when the iPhones came out or the Androids came out, a smartphone, when uh, Steve Jobs goes up on stage and says, we're making you, uh, we're making a new camera. We're making a new music player. We're making a new phone. 
new camera, new music player, new phone. Do you get it? And then they reveal the smartphone and everyone loses their shit. Everyone who bought that device didn't know that they were going to, they were buying a thing that they were eventually not going to be able to not buy. You need a phone. You need on you need the internet. I'm not saying you need to tell everyone what you're having for lunch, but as this comedian will demonstrate, you need it for safety. You need to be able to call people. You can't you you don't have a phone. You need to go home. Who's going to call you a car? The person with the phone. She gets somebody else to do a ride share for her because she can't do it herself because she decided to get rid of her phone. I know people like this in my real life who are complete Luddites who have disengaged entirely. They have flip phones. They don't have anything. And what they become is not a person who can live without technology, but a person who becomes a burden to others to rely on technology. <laughs> they are like, can you call me a car? Can you, I wanted to see a picture of something that this person had. So what happened? I needed to get him to tell one person to tell another person to send them a photo of a thing that he had seen so they could send it to this person and then they could send it to me. There was a three degree person of separation from, can I just see what that looks like really quick? Because this person has decided that they do not want a smartphone and they don't want to be on social media, which means they can't do anything. People pay their bills with their cell phones. People fucking don't use a debit card anymore. You use your phone. You don't go to the movies and, and ask for your tickets there. You fucking get your tickets online. You do all of this stuff with technology. And I think instantaneously this woman instant, like regrets destroying her phone because now she's in a life or death situation because the person who has picked her up is none other than Kurt's world himself. And what I thought was hilarious about this scene is audio from this, Lids, you might find this interesting to believe, is trending on TikTok. Oh, no. You, oh, you got to be kidding me. No. And I had no idea until the dialogue happened. And I was like, oh, my God, this is trending on TikTok. I had no idea that it was from this movie. What is the lines? No, 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 no. My house. We're going to my house. That is a line from this fucking movie. Oh, that's so horrible. And it's all over. Oh, no, it's like, I thought you were taking, this is not my house. No, 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 my house. Yeah, my house. That's all over TikTok. Wow. 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 That is so creepy. And I mean, it works for this particular film to have that particular scene be trending on the most creepy and cringeworthy of all social media apps. Oh my God, that's so gross. That is so gross, but so perfect. Oh my gosh. Of all the scenes, <laughs> of all the scenes. Yeah. yeah. That is one of the scarier scenes in this film. And you might watch this and be like, is it even a horror movie? Uh, yeah, because I'm terrified. Shaking in my boots. Um, freaked out by the idea that people could be living in a town while this murder spree is going on and acting like nothing big is happening. They think they're going to be fine because they called go-go, not spree. It's like, oh, there's an Uber killer. I'll just call Lyft. I'll be fine. I like that Kurt ended up just killing the guy that picked him up and now he's got the car uh, because that guy also had a camera set up for his own protection. Can't be too careful these days. And 
this brings to a very disturbing scene where he, because he keeps talking about wanting to make a sex tape because that's how Uno got famous. And he was like randomly talking to some girl at a taco stand about, it's like these long, rambling, incoherent manifesto type speeches that are so unhinged. And, you know, when he was talking, you know, he's just like, you know, love. I'm just talking about love, man. I just want to talk about love. Like, you're not listening to me. It's like, I'm just saying, it's like, you know, if you and I were to join forces and, you know, if we were to make a sex tape. And so he's like driving this woman to his house in the middle of nowhere saying that he's going to make a sex tape with her so they can collaborate on combining their social media audiences. It's super grim. Uh, nothing happens because the audience, as he puts it to a vote, what to do with her. In a fuck, Mary kill. A fuck, Mary kill situation. They all choose kill. Like, it's an overwhelming <laughs> kill. I run polls on my Patreon from time to time. And it's a good feeling mm-hmm. when there's an overwhelming majority. But this is so insidious, so grim, as you put it. It's terrible. I mean, Jesse's no fool. She's got the charger, which he thinks is going to be the charger for her phone. Because her, he, he keeps reminding her, you broke your phone, you smashed your phone. Which seems like such a normal conversation of drunk people in a car. But she uses that cord to strangle him and cause a car crash. Thank God. Because it's, you, you know he's going to do it. He's already proven himself. He's killed David, the go-go driver. He's killed Mario, the asshole, the white supremacist. Three random socialite influencer type people who had moderate followings he's killed bobby yeah no which was i had no idea who that was till i was looking at the cast for this because i was like how are there any other horror illuminati that are in this like aside from david arquette no just frankie grande just just frankie grande apparently he has a youtube channel and is counted amongst very famous influencers so it's 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 very fitting that he's in this movie as well and has killed like yeah. a couple other random people here and there. And if you count the cop as a kill, because even though it was Uno that killed the cop, like it just he's a very <laughs> dedicated murderer at this point. So you know that Jesse's mm-hmm. going to die. We learn how dedicated of a murderer he is, even more so because this started before the spree. Once we get to Kurt's house, we find out. When the car crashes through his home, where he lives with his mother, you find that Jesse, well, I suppose Jesse is the one that crashes through the house, but she discovers that there is a body in there of Kurt's mother. She doesn't know that that's Kurt's mother. I like that uh, David Arquette is home. DJ Chris is home when this happens. And he comes out and he's a person that struggled with alcohol and addiction and shit like that. So he's like, look, man, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to call the cops on you. And she's like, good, call the cops. And that's where fucking Kurt shows up like Jason fucking Voorhees. And he is there's no this scene in his house is so chilling because the the influencer persona is really gone. There's he does not deliver any more dialogue. He is cold and quiet and just sort of like aimlessly. He kills his father. It's very brutal and graphic, those gunshots. And then he just and then he's just continuously shooting his father uh, while 
uh, Jesse plows into him with the car. And then, you know, that's pretty much the end of old Kurt. It's pretty graphic. Um, he gets pretty fucked up. She takes a selfie with him, like in Mortal Kombat, like Cassie Cage's fucking fatality. <laughs> that's all I could think of. What I think is so interesting about this uh, take a selfie with him moment, because it may have crossed her mind. It definitely crossed the mind of her followers because whether they're there because she's the survivor of the rideshare killer or this is so gothic mm -hmm. or booming my numbers, yo, or whatever reasons people have for coming here, they want her to take a selfie. Not only does she oblige and go over to his dead body, lift his head, like there's been killers that have posted pictures like this too. It's so horrible. But the smile mm -hmm. that comes over her face, just like instant because it's like she's taking a selfie. So she has that perfect little smile that she's probably practiced or just has practiced by way of having taken so many goddamn pictures with people after shows like her little friend there whatever the hell his name was miles she's probably plastered this smile over her face so many times so this is the end of the film in that we learn the genesis of how this film came to be and yet another master move i think on behalf of the filmmaker and the writers here in that it makes us not only implicit, but turns us into people who are hanging out on 4chan. And I'm sure most of our listeners are aware of what of 4chan is and the sort of people that hang out on 4chan and the sort of content that used to be shared on 4chan. This film would have been made by somebody there who had stitched together all of this footage to create the film. So if I were looking for the films of Elliot Roger right now, where they used to be on YouTube on his channel, I could probably find them on a, a board like 4chan where someone will have stitched all of his videos into one for me conveniently. Maybe even with a little bit of news in and among there afterward. And that's exactly what happens here. We get the news articles. We get to see how Jesse has a bit of a comeback as a survivor, final girl style afterward. And a little bit of the clips from the beginning to sort of spoon feed us a little bit of how we saw him go back into the house and kill his mother. We just didn't know it when we were watching it. I really like the way this wraps up. There was one note that I had taken a picture of that showed up in the chat near the end when he's talking about, or he wanted to thank everybody who was in the chat. He'd hit over 50,000 and he was given his little like humbled, I've hit 50,000 followers speech and thanking everyone while he's in the car that has driven through his house and he's about to kill his father. Like, really horrible. But it's like, oh, so you're going by Kurt's world now, nerd. Haha, <laughs> what's up, douchebag? It's Tanner from high school. Remember me? Me and the guys used to give you a hard time in school. Sorry you were just an easy target, lol. I can see not much has changed. Remember Sarah, the girl you had a crush on? Yeah, we're married now. I make 200k a year and drive a Mustang GT. I guess some things never change, huh, loser? Nice catching up. LOL. Pathetic. And that's when he's at 449,929 viewers. Huh. That's very interesting. I, I, I suspected that the chat held a lot of interesting information in it. I had to pause the movie to capture that gem. It's a good gem to capture. Um, it really uh, uh, thought-provoking, honestly. Very interesting. I like it. The way that this ends is to find videos like this. It's links with 
you find you Google it, you find it on Reddit, you find uh, people talking about it on Reddit, then you find don't worry, I got the link that links you to 4chan. And then all of a sudden you're on like, you know, red pill, blue pill, incel forums. And then you go a couple of links darker and you're on the black pill forums in which people are idolizing these spree killers, the Toronto van killer, the person killing the people in the mosque, the guy that killed somebody, a bunch of people in the, the grocery store recently or horrific um, a school shooting that happened recently. And then all the other shootings that are happening all the time and people going on spree that I've it's like spree killing spree killers is such a, a phenomenon in the 1960s and 70s we had this explosion of serial killers and now it's all spree killers people killing a lot and they're either killed or they're arrested and that's it and while we're watching the credits you know we are watching one woman who killed kurt become uber famous cata uh, uh, catapulting to true viral fame getting all kinds of success and i bet you she got a new phone i bet you she's online all the time now and uh, because the pull of that beast is too powerful and then meanwhile what kurt has done has just become a bit of a folk hero for other people with murderous intent and when you talk about these modern day spree killers and they're all kids they're motivated by hatred of women or hatred of uh, other races or, or whatever the fuck they're motivated by. Just bullshit that starts with memes and jokes and and it turns into serious forum discussions and then it turns into being recruited into alt-right circles and then that turns into people really looking for other people to take action and they take action and they idolize people and they idolize these names of killers and so Kurt is just doing nothing but becoming like I said, a, a bit of a folk hero to the next Kurtz world who wants to go on an even bigger rampage and get even more views. And that's the insidious cycle of social media because any attention is good attention. I think that's why they really like to highlight in the uh, press about the most recent live streamed spree killing is that maybe 200 people saw it and it was online for two minutes before it was pulled down. And so far it doesn't seem that other copies have been popularized which is good is it very good and i think that's a lot of why they do that because they wouldn't want the, there to be a kurt kunkel scenario mm -hmm. and unfortunately we are sort of primed for it and this movie shines light on that in the in the darkest way in the most realistic way there's other elliot roger mentions in that end sequence too so it's like blending some of the worst of the worst when it comes on or when it comes to social media and video sharing platforms of any sort not only with like actual murders really horrible tragic shit that has gone down on these platforms but the cringe with it too which i think makes it so much more approachable so really fascinating it's weird to me and maybe it's good in that people who just innocently enjoy stranger things and think this uh, Joe Carey is a good actor and has interesting hair or whatever <laughs> are going to like be like oh spree my my dudes in that I'm gonna watch this movie mm. and they're in for a ride they're they're definitely in for a ride and uh, I, I think Joe Carey um is uh once the Stranger Things show has ended I think he's really going to if he's 
going to become this huge star that's in like huge blockbusters. Maybe he will be. But if he keeps choosing films like Spree, I think he's going to become a, an actor that is just consistently working in interesting films because, you know, he's got the opportunity. He was in that Free Guy movie. With he was in Free Guy, yeah. Ryan Reynolds. I, I did I did yeah, see I did free I did watch Free Guy. I wouldn't have recognized him necessarily. I looked at his bio and realized that it was the same actor. Also because I'm just not that interested. Like they all look very similar. They're these brown haired good actors. I mean I don't I don't it's hard for me to keep them straight sometimes. Mm-hmm. But I liked his role in that movie as as bromantic or whatever as that movie was it's just not really my kind of movie although it was very entertaining and it's good like ryan reynolds is is a bit of a genius that way and it's uh timely it's a very interesting movie as far as if you've ever worried about npcs i lie awake worrying about npcs all the time but that role i think coupled with spree will do even more for him as far as the people who will remember him from Stranger Things, yeah. Like, people who remember What's-His-Face from Harry Potter. <laughs> you know, those people. Daniel Radcliffe <laughs> is a good pull because that dude was in the biggest movies in the world at a time, and now he just does, like, like smaller movies where he's, like, just interesting. You know what I mean? He did Horns, he did uh, The Woman in Black, like, like lots of stuff that, uh, you know... It made me forget that he was Harry Potter. Like Kristen Stewart doing a, a bunch of stuff. I mean, or Robert Pattinson. I know he he ended up being Batman, and that's as big as it gets. But like these are people who were in entertainment that enveloped the world like the fucking blob at one point, and then they're just like, you know what? My bank account's good. I'm just gonna like do interesting projects because this started with me wanting to be an actor, and I just want to do cool stuff. Yeah, he may be the next Elijah Wood. Perhaps he'll begin creating films. For us to all enjoy and have a little bit of a darker sensibility to him if not straight up horror uh going from a, a beloved not child actor necessarily because they were uh in their teens you know a will wheaton is probably the earlier example of that being very famous in your uh prepubescent to postpubescent era you know in that young teen time where you're not a child star necessarily, like a teen star, but then you use your powers for good instead of evil and bring us evil shit to watch. <laughs> Speaking of evil shit to watch, what do we got next for him? Coming up next, we're going to watch Intruder. Yeah. It gets pretty evil there. And hopefully after that, we can get into some more splattery stuff because I realize some of my picks have been kind of new horror, kind of elevated horror. <laughs> Spree is a very not Lydia thing, so I'm going to have to come up with something splatterific. Um yeah, uh I I always um like when you pick films because it's good to like I don't know, sometimes I feel like I'm bossy and I'm like, let's do this. I don't want to do this. Let's do this. So I'm always glad when you uh d- like bring some more modern stuff cuz I feel like I wallow in the past a little bit too much, but how can I say I'm going to do it again because this was a slasher movie that escaped my uh, attention entirely and I ended up really, really liking it, completely charmed by it. So uh, I'm excited to discuss it finally in the next episode. Me too. It's one that I'd watched as a recommendation from Howard from Ottawa Horror because of its star-studded cast as far as horror goes. So, yeah, I'm interested to talk about Intruder 2. And on that note, I'm Wes Knight. And I'm Typical Lydia. And you've been listening 
to dead air. Smash that like button. Follow for follow, subscribe, share, tell your friends. Ha, 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 ha.